Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I am here with Rob on the phone. Rob's in Roanoke. Rob was at the football game on Saturday. I was not, fortunately. So uh, we're gonna. That's all we're gonna talk about today. We're not gonna talk basketball or anything. But Rob, how are you feeling? We're recording on Sunday. It's around eight thirty. So I'll, almost past my bedtime. But Rob, <laughs> how how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, pleasure to speak with you tonight. Uh, certainly have a lot to cover. Um, you know, this this UVA Virginia Tech series is almost just too predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, despite the outside circumstances, what's going on in Blacksburg, the outcome is just seems to be a foregone conclusion, you know, however painful it may be. So, yeah, certainly kind of getting over that loss still. It really stings. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, excited to kind of chop it up with you tonight and see where we end up with some of our takeaways and, uh, you know, just thoughts on the game in general. I think we'll just talk about the game. We might do some emotions, but we're not going to do like a, a state of the program thing. I think at this point, there's a lot of people who think they know best all across, you know, not this is not just a UVA football thing, but all across the country. You know, we just see Lincoln Riley get hired away from Oklahoma uh, which is crazy, but we're not going to talk about anything like that. We're just going to talk about the game, how we feel about it, some things that we think <laughs> could have gone better, and uh, <laughs> we're going to do all of that soon. But first, we do want to talk about our sponsor from my bookie. It's not every day you can double your money, but with my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With my bookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use the promo code Sports drink, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. The Patriots are taking on the Bills this Monday night as they continue their quest to reclaim the AFC East title. Buffalo has looked like a legit Super Bowl contender. However, look for them to cover the spread. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using the promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie. That is S-P-O-R-T-S-D-R-I-N-K to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, Rob. Let's dive right into it. I am, and I was ta- I was telling you this earlier and texting a little bit with you, but I'm not even that. I, I'm not even surprised at this point by the way that we fumbled the game away. No pun intended. Actually, much pun intended because you know there's a huge fumble that uh, Thompson had in the third quarter. But I want to talk about just kind of how the game was going. And I truly believe that this team, for some reason, has just a mental block against Virginia Tech. And it's not going away anytime soon, even though this coaching staff has preached it kind of from day one. It's like our one of our goals every season is to beat this team. And we've done it once since Bronco's been here. So how do you feel about the series against Tech, how it's going? You know, how do we how do we get to a point where I'm not sitting here every year being like, well, that's going to be a loss because we're playing our rival. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And if I had the answer to it, I'd, you know, probably try to sell it to Bronco <laughs> and make a little money myself. Like, it, 
this is the million dollar question. And, you know, it's something that our staff thought they had figured out mm-hmm. and they really haven't, you know, you remember the unbroken growth idea and the idea that we're going to emphasize beating tech. And Bronco was upfront about that when he took the job, that this tech or this Virginia tech game means exponentially more than the other games on the schedule. And each year he came, they got closer and closer until they finally beat them in 2019. Mm -hmm. Well, what we've seen the past two years is a Virginia team that arguably in 2020 was better than Virginia Tech and certainly was better than Virginia Tech in 2021. You've seen that UVA team slip up and it looks like the mental block is still very much there. Now, I will say, you know, there was the boneheaded, uh, trick play at the end on that final drive mm-hmm. um and maybe that comes in the nerves we'll, we'll d- talk about that play specifically here in a second but i will say you know this just felt like a game that it, it didn't really seem as much like nerves as much as it seemed like virginia tech just kind of had a good game plan and virginia's game plan with brennan armstrong hurting just wasn't able to pan out. And, you know, you saw how crisply UVA moved the ball, you Mm -hmm. know, with the exception of uh, kind of what has become a rare interception from Brennan Armstrong, UVA scored on four of its first five possessions. But, you know, you just saw mistakes and untimely situations, you know, the uh, roughing the punter penalty, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like he said, the Keaton Thompson fumble. Uh, there were just some strange plays in there. And then, you know, this is a team that should not have lost to Virginia Tech, but here we are. So it was certainly frustrating in the stadium for sure. Um, how did it look to you uh, from your perspective? It looked just bad. It was just like, you know, it, and I, I didn't have this. I was, I was at a wedding actually, and I was watching, had to leave for a sec because I was sitting at a table with some tech fans. So and they their stream was ahead of my stream so i had to leave because they were giving away the the plays and so we actually get to the the third down play and they say like oh what a stupid play and i was like oh i i just got to go so i watched the the last play by myself and i went back and had a delightful time without having to worry about you know anything at all but it, it's just like you know like you could tell like the first half came out and you know we stop them in that first drive come out in the next drive we score a touchdown on our first on our first drive 10 plays 86 yards we just march right down the field and then tech comes back and just does the exact same thing three plays 75 yards uh and you know most of it comes on that burmeister uh run the the 71 yard run and um so it's just it's just a tough like oh sorry that was the that was the um Tavion Robinson touchdown pass but it it it's the same kind of thing is like the defense really wasn't doing much to stop Virginia Tech and, and this is a Virginia Tech offense that has been struggled mightily all season so much so that they've kind of gone to a two quarterback system which you know as UVA fans know doesn't always work out that well and we just never seem to get comfortable or be able to pull away from a team that really had no business being close to us at all our offense was way better playing really good and somehow the team just found a way to let tech hang around until at the end where they actually um, took control Yeah, and as you alluded to, I mean, credit where credit is due to Virginia Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech knew they weren't a good passing team, and they knew their best shot to beat UVA was through the ground game. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. I mean, it was almost a philosophy similar to facing a triple option team. Mm -hmm. You know, Virginia Tech completed seven passes. They were seven for 16 for 144 yards. Now, most of those 144 yards, there was that long of 61, as you alluded to. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you net that out and all of your sudden you're talking about barely 80 yards passing on the day. So, I mean, Burmeister finished six for 14. Blumrick was 0 for 1. Um, Tivion Robinson actually had a completion for three yards. 
But you look at the rush statistics, they rushed for 340, or excuse me, 320 yards on the day. Raheem mm-hmm. Blackshear, 169 yards. Burmeister, 115 yards. You know, they were the third team this season to rush for over 300 yards against UVA. Mm-hmm. UVA's rushing defense, here, I have this pulled up. UVA's rushing defense was 123rd in the country out of 130 teams, allowing yeah. 226 yards per game. Virginia Tech had the right game plan and they executed it. And Virginia made mistakes. You know, I think a real turning point in that game is that roughing a punter penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, Virginia was cooking on offense in the first half. Virginia gets the ball back with two minutes left, the opportunity to go up by two scores. I think that could have been a pivot point in this game. Instead, there's a roughing the punter penalty. Virginia Tech moves the ball and takes the field goal, makes it a four-point game before halftime. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I maybe things would have turned out differently if that play didn't happen. Maybe they wouldn't have. I don't know. But when I look at this game, I see a Tech team that also made mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. you got to remember, Virginia got the ball back with two, three minutes left in the game off of a Virginia Tech fumble that wasn't even really forced. Um, so Tech also made mistakes. UVA just made a few more. And, you know, it's a shame how it turned out. But I, I will say credit to Tech. I mean, they knew exactly what they needed to do to beat us. And they did just that. Yeah. It, I, and, you know, their game plan was better than our game plan. And that comes down to coaching. And I feel like I feel like our coaches got out coached today by a interim coach uh, who was only at a second game as second or third game was it second i think it was second game it was a second game yep yeah second game as a head coach for the Hokies. so i I, i'm just it's a little embarrassed i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed that they didn't have an answer for that and you know like we know they're not a good passing team and and you know that we've talked about this defense all year but you know not focusing on the quarterbacks uh rushing when when that other quarterback was in um uh Blumrick, you know, Blumrick had 10 rushes for 28 yards. Uh not not too bad, but Burmeister also can run and n- allowing him 115 yards on the day is just, you know, it's a little, you know, it's embarrassing and I I I feel like I feel like the coaching staff should have done more to adjust and in fact, we didn't adjust very well because we only scored three points after halftime um, with one of the best offenses in the country. So I'm uh, I'm just frustrated that we couldn't get more done with what we had. Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of the logical next step in the conversation is the coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I say this with a caveat that I have not yet gone back and rewatched the game. And it's something I plan to do, but you know, to me, the game plan seemed pretty simple defensively is that you sell out to stop the run. And we knew this is a Virginia tech team that can't really pass. I mean, Burmeister is playing with hurt shoulder and he's got a bunch of other entries as well. Blumrick is kind of known as just the battering ram. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not really a threat to throw. He's kind of a runner all the way. And to me, it seemed pretty simple. You have to sell out to stop the run. I mean, I would have copied and pasted the game plan that they use against Pittsburgh and put it out against Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. Because quite frankly, Virginia did a good job stopping the run against Pittsburgh. And they put pressure on Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett just made some throws that, you know, with respect to Burmeister and Blumrick, those two quarterbacks weren't going to make. So I was a little surprised to see Virginia Tech have such success on the ground game. Because I really thought Virginia was going to sell out and try to stop that ground game. Now, maybe that would have come at the expense of the passing game. I don't know. But I really expected UVA to be much better against the run than they were. Now, of course, like you look at the season as a whole and what I'm saying you know, might not make sense. I mean, Virginia was awful against the run all season. It mm-hmm. makes sense that Virginia Tech would want to run the ball and have success there. But my thought was that we had seen enough incremental improvement through the pit game that I felt somewhat confident UVA was going to do okay in stopping the run and certainly was wrong on that. Now, offensively, you bring up a great point, and this is something that 
you know, they were talking about in uh, the post-game presser and Tony Cummington on the broadcast after the game. Virginia Tech defensively made a strategic decision to play a lot more man coverage in the second half as opposed to a lot of the zone coverage they played in the first half. Mm -hmm. And Virginia has picked apart zones all season. And Virginia really struggled in the second half playing against more man-to-man looks. As you said, they only had three first-half points. You know, they squandered some opportunities there, certainly at the goal line at the end. Um, But also, as we've talked about, that Keaton Thompson fumble in the red zone as well. Mm -hmm. So Virginia was still able to move the ball. You know, Brennan Armstrong passed for 405 yards. Um, They ran for 71, which isn't great, but you know, is higher than some totals they've had this season. But, you know, it just felt like Virginia wasn't quite keeping up with Virginia Tech's adjustments, at least when it came to the UVA offense. And, you know, you had guys dropping passes, you know, Wicks dropped a couple, Henry dropped one. You know, it seemed like there could have been ways for an offensive coordinator who's had as good a year as Robert and I has had to really come out and, you know, adjust to Virginia Tech's adjustments. And I think having an offense as prolific as Virginia's and only getting three second half points out of it, you have to view that as a disappointment, in my opinion. Right, exactly. And, you know, I and I, I almost question if, you know, Brennan and I, I and this is total speculation, but Brennan took a few big shots in the first quarter. You know, there was a, a rush for a first down. In the first quarter, he had that touchdown run where he actually won a physicality battle against some tech defenders and ran it in. But, you know, that hurts with two broken ribs. And we know he's been getting cortisone shots. We know that he's wearing a flak jacket. But that still is a lot of hitting. So, and I, you know, I was unable to watch you know every throw really carefully. But I'm concerned if maybe... After halftime, there was some soreness from Brennan, and he wasn't able to get the ball exactly where he wanted to. Do you think that had anything to do with it, or is it just you know the man coverage and and drop passes and coaching staff not adjusting? I think it's a fair question. Um, I don't know if necessarily that hit had anything to do with it. You know, being in person and seeing it, I did feel like his throws lost a little bit of zip mm-hmm. as the day went on. Um, but you know, I certainly had the arm strength to get there. And for all we know, it might've looked the same way against Pitt last week. Um, you know, watching that game on TV versus watching this one in person, I, I really don't have a great answer to that. Now, I think the general answer to your question is just the fact that this offense relies on the quarterback so much that you run that risk. And I'm not necessarily criticizing a Nye or Bronco for designing the offense the way they do. But when you design an offense where, you know, a lot of your runs are going to come from your quarterback, an offense where the quarterback is asked to throw 40, 50, even at one point, 60 times a game, you know, you run the risk of injuries. And Bryce Perkins, you know, he didn't sit back in the pocket nearly as much as Brennan Armstrong did, but he took some hits. And to his credit, you know, he showed a lot of resiliency and never really went down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brendan Armstrong, you know, showing tremendous toughness, but he missed a game last year. He missed a game this year as an offense that runs risk because the quarterback is so heavily utilized. So, you know, maybe those hits hurt him a little bit. Maybe it did affect him. I would say probably the ankle injury hurt him a little bit more or i'd say probably limited him a bit yeah. more than maybe the rib yeah. but um yeah no, i mean i think it's a fair question because you know you run that risk when you run the style of offense that we do it, it's just you know and it, we didn't even seem to you know want to try anything different you know jay wolfolk comes in for a, a just a series had completed two passes had a rush for 13 yards but you know quickly came back out when when brennan was was good to go and we didn't didn't really try rushing the ball that much you know Mike Hollins had a few good runs Wayne had a few good runs it just you know I I think I'm just concerned about the failure to adjust you know even mid-game to changes that were clearly happening on the field and so when we only have three points and those three points in the second half 
came on our first drive. So we go up uh, 24 or we go up 24, 17 and then we don't score again for the rest of the rest of the game. And, you know, just with the fumble and then of course the, the awful drive where we had a safety and then of course the, the disastrous last drive where we, um, where we just had a, you know, weird play calling and ended on downs. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just frustrating to see the coaching staff put so much emphasis on this game and then just kind of, you know, it's almost like they blew it and not the players. Like if we if we go back to 2018, where which is another year that we both thought we should win that game, signs were looking like we might win that game. Uh, I think in that game the players there was more player mistakes that contributed to that loss. You know, you think about the um, fumble that went into the end zone and uh, for a touchback or the um, missed sack from, from uh, on the, on that last heave in, uh, in that tech game. But in this game, I feel like it's almost more coaching error. Yeah, I I know you've wanted to have this discussion, and I think it's a fair one. Okay. Um, what I will say is, you know, what this this goal line sequence towards the end, and this one obviously the game was on the line. You know, there were mistakes, and I thought the play calling was, I mean, obviously strange, especially with the backwards pass to Bobby Haskins. But it did almost remind me of a sequence in that 2018 game, and if you remember. Virginia was up by four. They just scored a touchdown. Charles Snowden gets an interception in that mm-hmm. game, and Virginia gets the ball back. Again, Virginia had been cooking in that second half, and, you know, Virginia scores a touchdown there. It's game over. And, you know, Virginia didn't score a touchdown. The play calling was kind of strange. UVA kicks a field goal while Virginia Tech goes down and scores and wins in overtime. So I would say that those two sequences kind of I thought were somewhat similar. Um, but you know, as a broader point, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the 2018 loss hurt more, um, mm-hmm. you know, as far as just the game went, because there were so many what ifs. I mean, I don't think you could script a game that had so many, you know, crazy plays that all went in Virginia Tech's favor in the final few minutes. Right. Um, what I would say is that this one was probably more significant though. Yeah. The fact that, you know, it came in Scott Stadium. I mean, it's never a good look when you have opposing fans on the field, um, rushing the field afterwards. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that certainly wasn't a good look. And that, that was also a Virginia team this year, that is, that has now lost four in a row. And mm-hmm. if you think about that 2018 season, Virginia had, you know, a lot of success. It was uh kind of Bryce Perkins coming out party that season. Uh, you know, they lost a heartbreaker to Georgia Tech the week before. Uh, obviously lose to Tech to finish seven and five. But that was a team that was, you know, seven and three and feeling pretty good on a clear upward trajectory from the prior year. This is a Virginia team that, you know, kind of reached their peak that we've seen in recent years, at least in 2019. Then in 2020, a difficult schedule, they go five and five. Now 2021, a difficult schedule. They go six and six. But it feels like kind of the momentum has been taken out of the program a little bit. And I think for me, the thing that I keep thinking about is the narrative of this season. The idea that, yeah, Virginia, let's say Virginia wins against Virginia Tech. Virginia sits at seven and five. They would have been five and three in the ACC. And four of their five losses would have been to ranked teams. You know, as we're recording this, the college football playoff rankings haven't come out. But looking at the AP top 25, you know, Notre Dame is ranked six, mm-hmm. BYU is 12th, Pittsburgh is 17th, Wake Forest is 18th, and then there's UNC as well. You know, certainly aren't bad losses. Those are losses where you can say, hey, Virginia couldn't get over the hump, but they're a decent enough team. But when you lose to Virginia Tech with an interim coach, you know, you kind of lose that ability to spin that narrative. Because this is a Virginia team that missed a lot of chances this year. And by all accounts, really should have beat Virginia Tech. And the fact that they didn't, I think, just raises a level of concern um, among the fan base. And I think it Mm -hmm. lost a lot of goodwill, you know, after two kind of 
mediocre seasons, I think Bronco is, you know, probably under a lot more heat today than he was necessarily the day after that 2018 game. I mean, the 20, and you bring up a great point where the program was really just coming around and Bronco was getting his players in there. And, you know, we, we go in, we go down to Blacksburg for a, a, once again, a pretty bad tech team that year. And they were four and six going into that game. Yeah. And then they play our game. And then they play an extra game against. A, they play a bye game against. I think it was Marshall, to yeah to, to get, become bowl eligible. Exactly, yeah. And they weren't even going to play that game if they lost the game to us. So, so that's embarrassing because we gave them that we kept their bowl streak alive. And then this year, you know, we have the success from 2019, 2020. We can, you know, easily throw out the window because. It was COVID and weird year, games canceled, players got hurt, strange times. Brennan's first year as well. This year comes on. Brennan is one of the best players in the country. Probably should have gotten more Heisman consideration than he did, but because of the de- the bad defense and the losses that we had early on, it uh, just wasn't never going to happen. And this tech team is reeling too. They fire their coach after a win against Duke, and have this interim coach. They're already starting their coaching search probably. And they have nothing. The only thing they're playing for is to continue beating us and to get, get their bowl. And we gave it to them. And I just think it's, this is, I think what, and what, what I want to talk about next. And we've been kind of talking about this, but how are you going to remember this season? Because for me, I'm going to remember the season that we were six and six and Brennan had a great year and the defense was garbage the whole year. And I I think it's just interesting the way that, you know, people are not going to remember how great Brennan was. Brennan broke almost every record for a quarterback this year, like for a single season stats this year. And we're not going to remember that because of how the season ended people are going to remember that i'm going to remember that screen pass to bobby haskins probably for the rest of my life and i might not remember anything else about that game i'll remember that with the second to last play that we ran was a screen pass to an offensive lineman with the with the season basically the season on the line that is season defining that is a season defining play against a team that we should have probably beaten by 10 or 10 or 17. Yeah, we talked about this and fair or not, you know, I, I almost feel bad for Bobby Haskins, mm-hmm. but fair or not, that's going to be the defining play. And it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean it was the most important play or yeah. the most pivotal play, but yeah, that's going to be the defining play. And it's, it's puzzling. It's disheartening. You know, as you said, when you have a quarterback who has been as good as Brennan Armstrong has been, as you said, you know, he broke Bryce Perkins' total yards record last night. Bryce Perkins did that in 14 games. Brennan mm-hmm. passed it in 11. You know, he's having, I mean, already broke the season passing record. Currently, he's fifth in ACC history uh, with his total yards this season. You know, he's he's been incredible. And to take the ball out of his hands there is certainly a disappointment. Um but yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating, you know, thinking about this season, I just kind of view it as a wasted opportunity or a wasted season. Yeah. However you want to say it. It's and, a waste. You know, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like you have one of the best offenses in the country, you know, Virginia is third in total offense this year, averaging 516 yards per game. Brendan Armstrong missed a game and is still second in the country in passing yards this season. Incredible incredible yeah it, it's incredible it's the second best passing offense in the country and yeah you know this team was so good and it had so many playmakers on offense and it had such an experienced and veteran offensive line and the offense delivered yeah you know they had a rough second half against virginia tech uh, maybe that was brandon armstrong wearing down i don't have a total explanation for it but this offense was good enough to win pretty much every game they played you know, maybe with the exception of Wake Forest, but this offense was good enough to win probably every game UVA played. And the defense was 
terrible. And, you know, just rushing off some stats here. Um, so this is total defense. Virginia finished the season 121st. Um, as far as passing defense, UVA finished the season 88th in the country. And as far as rushing defense, Virginia finished 123rd in the country. This mm-hmm. was a defense that went under a transition of the 335 that I think went way more poorly than anyone expected. You know, this goes beyond growing pains. This was a defense that struggled in every phase of the game, you know, rushing offenses, passing offenses, creating turnovers, getting to the quarterback. You know, they really struggled. And, you know, I will say to their credit, they made some plays against Virginia Tech and were probably good enough to beat Virginia Tech. Um, but it, it just didn't fall that way. And when you think about how good that offense is, in the context of how bad this defense is, you know, it it's just a shame that this season finished six and six. And this is a big reason, you know, both you and I have talked about this, about why we wish Bronco would have given us an explanation about why the defensive switch and why the defensive switch now. Mm-hmm. Because I look at this schedule and I think if Virginia has last year's three, four, which was awful against the pass and had a lot of problems, but I think Virginia wins probably two more games this season. I think they beat Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I think they have a really good chance to beat Pittsburgh. And heck, I, you know, maybe you beat North Carolina. Maybe you slow down BYU enough. You know, Virginia had an offense that was keeping them in every game this season when the defense was just so, so bad throughout the season. So anyway, it, it just seems like such a wasted opportunity, especially in year six now. Uh, yeah. the Bronco Mendenhall regime no it, it it feels it feels like I think a waste is the perfect word to describe this season and I, I think that you know when when you talk about when you think about like oh Brendan Armstrong's record-breaking season you think about oh we lost all those games because our defense was so bad you know I think about the BYU game it was just a blowout we weren't even close we weren't even in it and of course Brennan does get hurt in that game Brennan doesn't play against Notre Dame. And those two games, I think, are games that we probably would never win just because of, you know, how the offenses were playing and who was in those games. But, you know, we're talking about Wake Forest, uh, a game that we, you know, you know, you think about Wake Forest as a game that we weren't really in, but, you know, they, uh, we, we only lost that game by, I mean, we lost it by 20 points, but... I feel like if our defense was better, maybe we step it up a little bit. UNC as well, we lost by 20 points. Um, you know, if our defense can step it up, maybe it's not as bad. And then, you know, Pitt could have won that game. Tech should have won that game. It's just a lot of what ifs this from this season. And, and I don't, you know, it's tough to think about, you know, Brennan having this great season. You know, we have this offensive line that, you know, allowed him to have so much time in the pocket every single, every single game. And, uh, you know, next year, you know, we might not have that with the same, same offensive line. Um, but before we, before we move any further, I do want to talk about our sponsors from my bookie. It's not every day you can double your money, but with my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With my bookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use the promo code SPORTSDRINK, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with the, all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using the promo code SPORTSDRINK at mybookie. That's promo code S-P-O-R-T-S-D-R-I-N-K to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. We are also sponsored by Symbol. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is a stock market that for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. With On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time you, you your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join all the people who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. We are also sponsored by Spotify Greenroom. 
Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other athletes, insiders, and fans. It is perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to your favorite team uh, losing to their rival and uh, all the sadness that you have. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever group you want. Go ahead and download Spotify Greenroom today. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So we've talked a lot about, we just finished talking about, you know, how we're going to look on the season. We've talked about, you know, comparing it to 2018, uh, the 2018 loss. You think the 2018 loss hurt more. I think I agree with that. That 2018 hurt more, hurt. but probably wasn't as significant as I, this season's and loss. I, I agree with that. I think that this season's loss, I think means more for the program. You know, we're not doing a state of the program right now, but you got to think going into next year, you know, like Bronco may be on the hot seat going into next year. And whether that's warranted or not, I think that's just the reality of the situation is that when you can't, when you aren't winning the games that you should win, you know, people are going to take a look at, take a look at you and, and, and how your program's doing. And we'll probably do that another time is just break down the, the football season and the football team, but specifically for tech and losing to tech, uh, there were several plays that I think made a huge difference in the game. Super important plays. Um, we've already talked about one, the, of course, the idiotic call for a offensive lineman screen on the second to last play of the game. Rob, was there any play that you think was uh kind of changed the course of the game and uh and if it had gone our way we might have been able to win sure so two in particular stand out in my mind and both of them we've already talked about um the the first one has to be the blocked or the roughing the punter penalty on the punter uh you know, a couple minutes before halftime, that was an opportunity where Virginia had gotten a stop on defense, was up 21 to 14, and then had the opportunity to take the ball with about two minutes left, march down the field and go up two scores. Now go up 10, you know, that could have been big, go up 14. All of a sudden you're feeling pretty good, especially considering UVA receives the second half kickoff. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously we know how that went. It was uh rough in the punter call on West Weeks and Virginia Tech goes down and kicks a field goal before halftime. I think that was a huge turning point in that game because Virginia had the chance to not slam this door shut completely, but, you know, make it pretty close because you get up two scores, Virginia Tech is all of a sudden forced to probably pass the ball more. That's not to their strength. I think Virginia missed a golden opportunity to really take control of the game Instead, go into half, they go into halftime only up four, um, and it's just a different ball game. The other play that we've already alluded to is uh, the Keaton Thompson fumble. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, it's hard to like put too much on these individual players in situations like this. Like West Weeks is a true freshman. You know, he's playing out there on that punt team. He was told to go block the punt. That's what he tried to do. And, you know, he also had a very big sack in the game, mm-hmm. um, not to mention that fact. Keaton Thompson, I mean, he's got 990 receiving yards this season. Uh, he's got 
247 rushing yards. I mean, this guy is Mr. Football, you know, the football player. Like, mm-hmm. he's made tremendously from last season. And, you know, aside from Brennan Armstrong, has an argument that he's as important a piece of this offense as anyone else. So, yeah, you know, he fumbled the ball there in the second half, fumbled it with about 155 left in the third quarter. Virginia was driving. He fumbled it on a 19. Virginia Tech recovered on the 17. But Virginia, you know, at this time, they got the field goal on their opening drive. They were forced to punt on the next drive in the third quarter. So this was their third second-half possession. Virginia was moving the ball and seemed poised to, you know, score a touchdown. Instead, the fumble occurred, and I believe Virginia Tech tied it on the ensuing possession. Uh, they actually, so to they me, actually those went were, ahead. They went ahead because they had already okay, scored so the they touchdown. Went ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, those are two critical plays there that Virginia missed. And there were others, you know, Brennan Armstrong threw an interception that was untimely. Um, you know, there were other plays here and there. But to me, those were the two really big momentum-shifting plays um, that Virginia had opportunities to capitalize and move ahead. But, you know, those were the two that really stick out on my mind. Are there any any others I'm missing, or do you have any thoughts on either of those plays? No, I, I think those are the two plays that I was thinking of, too. I actually think the the roughing the punter is, is almost worse because, you, you know, you've got – if you get the ball, if you're Virginia, you're forcing Tech to punt from inside their own 20, you're going to get the ball back with, you know, decent field position with about two and a half minutes left to go in the in the first half. And that's plenty of time for Brennan to go down and at least get a field goal to go up two scores. Uh, what happens instead is Tech goes down, they just march right down the field, 60 yards, get a field goal to end the, co- end the half. And they're down a score, and then of course the, on their first possession in the in the third quarter they come out and score a touchdown uh, in six plays, eighty one yards. So, and um, the other one, you know, you might uh, untimely seems to be a word that we're using a lot, <laughs> but it's just like you know we we were once again moving the ball. We had just held Tech to a three and out. Uh, they had three plays for zero yards. They punt it to us. We're moving down the field, and then Thompson fumbles in their red zone. They get it back and then go up, take the lead. Um, and then we, of course, we don't score again the rest of the the rest of the way. Our next two drives, we go three and out, and then after that, it's uh, it's the safety where we have four plays, and uh, Brennan, you know, coughs up the ball and it gets in the end zone. Luckily, they didn't score a touchdown on that, but you know, it just it was just both of those plays were i think more important than the than the play call for a screen for an offensive lineman but in the end of the, at the end of the day you know you take what you can get and it, i just feel like the the screen play on 3rd and 8 is really going to stick with me for a long time and i know we keep, i know i keep coming back to it but it's just the and you know, I want to say one thing before I move on. Uh, Anai, Robert, and I, we've we've had problems with him in the past on this podcast. We've talked a lot about you know some of his decisions, especially you know with especially last year during COVID and you know with with Perkins and everything. But this year, he's he's called really really well. Um, oftentimes, you know, when the offense is playing really well, you're not going to complain about the offensive coordinator. He's he's been calling fine games. But to pull that junk out in the most important drive of the of the season just seems really, really poor taste. And, you know, I'm going to remember that as the – I think it's a season-defining play. I think it's a UVA-defining play right now. It's kind of like, you know, sad UVA fan when we lost to Notre Dame a couple of years ago. Uh, I think this play is, is a lot like um, – it just kind of defines who what this team is right now, and that's unfortunate to me because I think that I think that I would prefer to be known as you know QBU where we have these great quarterbacks and our offense is high flying, but right now we're just the team that you know throws a screen to the offensive lineman on third and eight with the game on the line. Yeah, I mean, again, fair or not. 
that's going to be the defining play of this game, if not the season, as he said. And, you know, it's, it's just a shame. That's how it turned out. You know, even if you lose that game, and we certainly didn't want to lose that game, but even if Virginia goes down and loses that game, you want to go out swinging with your best punches. And for UVA, that is Brennan Armstrong in this receiving core. And, you know, the fact that the trickeration was used there, um, you know, it was just, it just didn't feel right. You know, obviously the play didn't work either, but it just felt a little strange. Mm -hmm. I will say another kind of problem I had with it is it's not like that was a brand new play. That was a carbon copy of the play that was used against uh, Florida and the Orange Bowl. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, what were the differences there? Virginia was closer to the goal line first and foremost. And, you know, backtracking here, that play worked in the Orange Bowl, but it was called back because it was deemed a forward pass when Mm -hmm. it needed to be a lateral. So what happened on this play is Virginia was far away from the goal line. I mean, he caught it on like the 17. I think the ball was on like the nine yard line. So, I mean, he had a long way to go. This wasn't like five, 10 yards. This was closer to 20 yards that you were asking Bobby Haskins to go. Right. Second of all, I really didn't <laughs> like that they called a play that's been on film. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, maybe Virginia Tech uh, studied it last year. I don't know if they necessarily studied it this year, but you got to believe with the support staffs that these teams have that every play that is on film, these players and these coaches have seen. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't like a brand new play to them. They had seen this play before, which probably didn't help with the success. And the third part is, you know, I really just, it just doesn't seem like the right momentum call. You know, obviously, as we said, you want your best players making those plays, but Virginia had moved the ball downfield. It's not like, you know, it was, they were getting the ball like first and goal and had been stuffed three times. Like Virginia had marched down the field to get to where they were in that position. So it, for so many reasons, it just seemed like just such a dreadful play to call. And the fact that it didn't work just makes it so much worse. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it's working, you know, we're, we're hailing Dr. Bob as a genius and, oh my gosh, where has this been all season? Who knew Bobby Haskins was such a good runner, but, um, (laughs) but it doesn't. And we really get, uh, we get kind of, we get, we get hosed with, you know, fourth and 13 on the goal line and Brennan's probably not a hundred percent kind of zips a pass, you know, that's a difficult catch for, for Henry and game's over. And, you know, that's pretty much it. So that's how the season's going to end up um, looking. Now, I, I am ta- I've am i been talking a lot about how the season and the season this and the season that. The season's not technically over. We still have the option to go to a bowl game. Um, Rob, I have a few uh, projected bowls for you um, from some of the sports people out there. Uh, 24-7 Sports has us projected in the Pinstripe Bowl uh, against Purdue. And CBS currently has us projected in the Duke's Mayo Bowl against South Carolina. And that would be on the 30th. The um, the Pinstripe Bowl would be, uh, I think, um, when would it? Hold on. Let me, let me look that up. I actually can't find it. The date. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But do any of those games uh, interest you? Do you get... Are you excited about potentially being in a bowl game? What is your feeling about a bowl game after that loss? Yeah, you know, I know you have an opinion on this. Um, I would say, you know, listen, I'm, I've watched terrible Virginia games. I'm going <laughs> to keep watching. Unfortunately, it got woven into my DNA somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it just is what it is. I'm going to watch the bowl game, whether regardless of where it is. I would say... You know, if we're choosing between the pinstripe and the military bowl, I think the pinstripe bowl excites me a lot more. Mm-hmm. Not that either of those, um, you know, are the most exciting bowl games to begin with, but being in New York, Yankee Stadium, um, you know, there's a little bit more intrigue to that game instead of in Annapolis and Navy Stadium, mm-hmm. which has a terrible camera angle. And yeah. oh, by the way, the last time we played there, we lost forty nine nothing to Navy. So, and a bitter cold game. Yeah, not to, nonetheless. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still going to be following this program over the next few weeks. I think you absolutely acceptable invite. You have to get those extra practices in. This is a team that's actually going to have a lot of turnover. 
next year. Now we'll see who comes back. I'm not sure when the decision for super seniors will be made, but Virginia is going to lose a lot of contributors. And it seems like there's some talented younger guys on this team that you really need to get that extra work in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of where the bowl is, you know, I'll be watching and regardless of, you know, who you're playing, I think the idea, the decision to accept the bowl is very important for this team. Yeah. So anyway, with that, that is my preface. I, I'm curious what your opinion is on the bowl and kind of the next few weeks um, after this past weekend. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of over the season, you know, and maybe that has something to do with the basketball team, you know, kind of looking like a normal Tony Bennett team now. And, you know, we're not talking basketball right now, but, They've stepped up their game. They seem to be doing just fine. And meanwhile, the football team's kind of limping towards the finish line. A a bowl game at this point doesn't really, it honestly doesn't excite me that much. Duke's Mayo Bowl would be cool. I don't know if we'll get that one. Um, But, you know, Pinstripe would be interesting. Uh, Military Bowl, not interested in at all, really. You know, I just, I just, it just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And you know, a bowl win would be would be cool and everything. You know, uh, it gives Brennan time to get healthy. You know, it would frustrate me to no end if for some reason our um, defense decided to to get better during this time and somehow you know shut out whatever team that we're playing, like we did a couple years ago against uh, South Carolina in the Belk Bowl, which was fun, but. You know, this team, this team is kind of, I feel like it's limping a little bit. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, it's just like, it feels like the season's kind of over to me. And I know that's not fair to the players. I know it's not fair to the, to the fans who, who, you know, have been following along so, so dedicatedly like you, but, you know, at this point, I, I'm not trying to, this team has been so the defense especially so bad that I'm not sure I want to watch another game where they disappoint me again. I don't want to get hurt again, Rob. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, listen, I feel that. And to me, that's the exact reason that makes this bowl game all the more important. Like this is a team that needs anything to re-inject mm-hmm. um, life into itself and into the fan base. And I know bowl games are tricky. You know, players opt out of bowl games, you know, Admittedly, bowl games are not necessarily the best indicator of either past or future success. They kind of stand alone as outliers, and that's how you get kind of fluky results. You know, you remember in the Belk Bowl last uh, when we played South Carolina, mm-hmm. South Carolina was without Debo Samuel in that game. Yeah. He chose to opt out for the draft. Now, anyone who follows NFL knows how electric of a player playmaker Debo Samuel is. So Virginia certainly called a break in that game. So, but to me, that's what makes it all the more important that UVA does come out and show fire in this game. And hopefully the majority of the players will choose to play in this game wherever it is. And I think it's really important that UVA goes out there and gets a win, uh, you know, however it comes. And yeah, I mean, it'd be funny, I guess, if the defense came out and looked really good all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the hope, right? Like, that's, right. that's obviously what you're cheering for. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be an important next few weeks because as we've talked about, I think, you know, whether Bronco is in perception or reality on the hot seat next year, I think people are going to be talking about that. And I think that situation, you know, grows even more uncomfortable for him and the staff and frankly, for everyone involved. If UVA loses the bowl game, if they finish the season six and seven, Mm -hmm. you know, it's whoever they play in the bowl game, it's not going to be a strong opponent. You know, we know East Carolina has already accepted a bid to the military bowl. Um, So if Virginia goes there, that's who they will be playing. We'll see about the pinstripe bowl. So either way, Virginia is going to have an opportunity to get a win. And this can't just be written off as a bowl game. Like Mm -hmm. I think this game is pretty critical to building momentum into next season. You know, I think I think you're right overall. And I think that with time, I'll be more receptive to um, to watching and to, to, to continue to support the team. Of course, I'll support the team for the rest of my life. I'm just frustrated with, with how bad we've been and the outcome of the game and everything like that. 
but I'll probably, I'll more than likely be like, you know what? I'll probably watch it. You know, I'll turn it on. But, <laughs> but I'm just, you know, I, it's just, you know, I'm emotional right now, and it's been, it's been a tough, you know, last couple of days with, with you know, not not last couple, but like today is just kind of like it's just kind of in the back of my head, like oh, I can't believe we lost that game to tech and you know that'll happen all for the rest of the week and i'll hear it from my co-workers who all went to tech and i'm sure you'll you'll hear it from people and roanoke who you know love to boast and everything like that but uh yeah it'll just be it'll, it'll just be a tough you know couple of weeks until we figure out you know where we're going and and who we're going to be playing and you know that you, what what happens with that certainly and you know bold decisions will be announced um, sometime next week, typically they come out on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, there's a chance it slips over into Monday, mm-hmm. but it'll be a full week before we know the bold decisions for UVA. So in the meantime, I think what you just have to do is you have to try to keep your head up as high as you can and you got to keep working. And this Virginia team has a lot of work to do. I mean, developing players on offense, you know, I think there's promise in the receiver room, um, you know, that'll be back next year. I think probably the bigger concern is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone is a senior right now on the offensive line. Ryan Nelson, ha- or excuse me, Chris Glazer has exhausted his eligibility. Everyone else has an option for a COVID year. I'm not sure he will take it. Regardless, that's an offensive line that needs uh, development uh, mm-hmm. to try to get those younger guys ready defensively obviously we know how much work is needed at all three levels and i will say as the season went on um the defensive line stood out to me as a pretty big problem area it was an area that you know i kind of glossed over in a lot of my uh rewatches and evaluations but over the past few games i've really started to believe the defensive line has a lot of work to do and obviously we know some of the struggles in the secondary as well so anyway, there's there's a lot of work to be done, and I hope Virginia balances that between finding a way to win the bowl game and also getting these younger guys ready. Yeah, I, and I I hope that too, and I hope that just eventually we get to the point where you know we'll be ready to go and and we'll be excited for the bowl game. Hopefully, it's a good game. You know, we'll probably be exciting to watch considering our defense sucks and our offense is so good. <laughs> hopefully, Brennan can get healthy. And hopefully we can figure something out and hopefully get some of these young players ready for next year. Um, Rob, with that, is there any last word you want to say about the tech game, about this season, about, you know, anything football related? Yeah, actually two quick notes. Um, as you alluded to, uh, you know, bowl game being exciting because the defense isn't great. I mm-hmm. thought it was funny, at least the way this was phrased. Mike Barber had a tweet earlier today. He said, hearing pinstripe has interest in the who's. And I think that's going to be a draw for UVA, honestly, is that mm-hmm. these bowl games will want to bring in this high-flying offense. So, you know, I think that could play a role in bowl decisions if it comes down to pinstripe versus military. Maybe Virginia will get the nod to the pinstripe. We'll see. Um, second point I wanted to make is just kind of a roster management situation. Uh, It's gone somewhat lost in the shuffle after last night, and understandably so. But Jay Wolfolk was inserted into the game uh, when Brennan Armstrong was hurt there. That was his fifth appearance of the season, which means his red shirt was burned. So certainly less than ideal. You know, he's a guy that you really wanted to keep a red shirt on this season. Maybe you can catch up and get him to red shirt next season, depending on how things go. We'll see. Uh, but just from a roster management situation, that was something that I'm sure the staff was trying to avoid. Yeah. That, Wolf Hulk burn his redshirt. That's unfortunate, especially considering, you know, you know, hopefully Brennan comes back next year. Hopefully we won't need Wolf Oak for another two years or something like that. But he has been dubbed the next successor. So from what we've seen so far, it looks like he can really handle his own. But, uh, you know, it, unfor- that's a great point. You know, unfortunate that, that he had to burn a red shirt last night as well. Uh, great points all around. I'm sad. I think you're sad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I think a lot of people are disappointed right now. But important to remember that, that this is not, you know, the end of the road. We still have another game to go next year. Brennan, I mean, hopefully comes back. And, you know, hopefully he gets some recognition as really one of the top talents in the country. So with that, 
Thank you all for listening to us rant for a little bit. This has been the Guys and Ties podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for all the bonus content at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and give us a follow on Spotify and iTunes if you like what you hear. And we will talk to y'all later. Go Hoos. Go Hoos. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.